Psalm 32 this morning as we look at our word for the year, which is trust. trust. And we've spent the last several months making our way through some of the challenges of 2020. How many wish 2020 just go away? And that we'd have a new beginning and a new year and things uh, getting back to whatever normal may be. But we've been reminding ourselves from the word of God and from our word throughout the year, the importance of trust, including trust in trying and difficult times like the one in which we now live. We've been talking about how to keep our emotions in check, how not to let our mind run away with us or to be basically overrun with thoughts of doubt, which always leads to despair. Now, this is the last of our outdoor services today. We come to our word for the year in a very fitting PowerPoint verse for the month and chapter as such uh, or for such a time as this, as we are headed into a new season as a church and we continue in what is getting very old to most of us. I'm tired of this, aren't you? Yes. All of this nonsense. I think we're all getting tired of a politicized pandemic, even as we recognize that it is real and people are getting sick and we do need to be wise as we have been talking about in recent days. Now, the context of our chapter is a bit outside of what we're dealing with now because David is going to be talking about what life was like for him before he was confronted by Nathan the prophet concerning his sin with Bathsheba, or what life is like with unconfessed sin. Now, it's not the cause of his experience that's going to be our focus this morning, but rather the parallels of his experience with what we are experiencing now, even though what David experienced was brought on by his sin and the feelings associated with it, we're having much of the same struggles today as the body of Christ and our mind and emotions as we've been uh, talking about. Now we talked about the fact that we are in a very crucial time for our country. Amen. Amen. The future of our country is at stake. And now, as of October 1st, we are back in flu season once again. We are in a time where many of the signs of the nearness of the day of the Lord are all around us. Lawlessness is abounding. Ethnic tensions are rising. International strife is increasing. Plagues are a clear and present danger. And the geological and atmospheric anomalies are unprecedented in a time such as this. Now our title this morning is an exhortation, and I would go as far to say it's even an urgent exhortation as we near the end of the church age because Jesus is coming for us soon. Amen? Amen? And therefore, because God has proven himself faithful, he has proven himself worthy of our praise, we have all sung the song over the years, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Well, we're not going to have that as our title this morning, but it's going to be close. I say in such a time as this, not only is there no turning back, but here's our title, there's no holding back. No holding back is our title this morning. We are in an urgent time. We need to be full throttle serving the Lord with all of our, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in such a time as this. Now in Luke 19, 37 to 40, 
As Jesus was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, or the Hebrew, uh, Baruch HaDashem Adonai. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And that's not the rolling stones. They're old, but they're not that old. Now, now is not the time for silence. Now is the time to speak up. Now is the time to cry out about the greatness of our God, recognizing that part of the devil's exploitation of this pandemic is an effort to silence the church. But we will not be silent. Amen. We will not be forced into submission to governmental plans that violate the word of God. Not only is now not the time to be silent, now is not the time to waver in our trust. Now is the time for no holding back. So let's see what that means for us through this psalm of wisdom penned by David when he was feeling much of what many are feeling today, even though it was for very different reasons. So we'll look at the whole of Psalm 32, but we'll break it down into three bites. So would you stand and read with me, please, this morning? Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, will be our initial reading. Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Somebody say amen to that this morning. And Father, we are eternally grateful that you have forgiven us our sin and cleansed us by the blood of your own Son. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage us and exhort us and strengthen us this morning by the authority and power of your word to live full speed ahead in these last days, reaching out to others, honoring you with all we do and say. And we pray this in the name that is above all others, the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. And all God's people agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now again, the context is David's silence about his sin, or his unconfession of his sin, and the blessings that came when he finally acknowledged it, as verse 5 records for us. But our focus this morning for our first consideration is going to be in verses 3 and 4, where David talks about his silence and how it caused his bones to grow old. In other words, it was weighing on him. He was groaning all day long. The hand of the Lord night and day was heavy upon him. Now, Jesus made the point to the questioning Pharisees as he descended from the Mount of Olives, as we read in Luke a moment ago, that it is of a necessity that he be declared as the Lord, blessed, or the blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, listen, if people don't declare it, creation will. Speaking of the stones crying out. And the truth is, James 4.17 reminds us, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? Yes. 
sin. Now, we've been talking about a lot of the things the pandemic has brought our way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, certainly financially, and all the things that uh, this has had an impact on, on so many people in our country and around the world. And the fact is, even some of these things that we recognize and we know the cause of, just like David knew the cause of why things were so heavy upon him, I believe that it often is that during such times like these that our praise is silenced or our trust is impacted to some degree. If only in our thoughts and emotions where we're simply wandering in our thoughts rather than focused upon God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? Yes. It's true for all of us. It happens to us as dedicated, consecrated believers unto the Lord. And 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. David was silent about his sin, and it was heavy on him. First Chronicles and Psalm 92 tell us it's good to give thanks to the Lord. And then James says, listen, when you know good and don't do good, to you it is sin. In other words, it's hard on your bones and it causes groaning all the day long. Now, interesting, the Hebrew word translated as groaning means the distress call of a lion. Now, I thought it interesting that First uh, Peter 5, 8 tell, tells us that Satan roams the earth like a what kind of lion? Roaring. A roaring lion. Listen, lions don't roar when they hunt. Anybody that's watched National Ge Geographic know they are close and low to the ground. They are absolutely silent, uh, sneaking up on their prey. The only time a lion roars, even when it's hunting, is when it's wounded or when it's sick and in distress. And Satan is sick. And his future is bleak. And God is going to cast him into the lake of fire forever, someday, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? In other words, this is what David is saying. I was, I, God had made me into a lion as a king of Israel, but my unconfessed sin was making me sick. It was heavy on me. My life was like a drought. I wasn't a well-watered land like the preface psalm says in Psalm 1. I wasn't like a tree planted by rivers of water. And it was because of what David wasn't doing. And I submit to you this morning that it is important that we praise the Lord. It is important that we honor the Lord. It's good for us. As a matter of fact, that is our first point this morning. Listen, proclaiming the goodness of God does more for us than it does for Him. Proclaiming the goodness of God does more for us than it does for him. Listen, God doesn't need our praise. Read the book of Revelation. In the opening chapters, there are beasts and living creatures who are constantly day and night, day and night, proclaiming the greatness and the majesty of our God. God doesn't need our praise to feel better about himself. He's God. Amen. Amen? Praise is for our benefit. Prayer is for our benefit. Proclaiming the greatness of God does more for us than it does for Him. And listen, if you're in a dry season, tell somebody about Jesus. Hello? If you're in a dry season, tell somebody about Jesus. Listen, if you've been silent with your praise... Tell somebody about Jesus. If the pandemic has caused doubt to rule your mind, 
Tell somebody about Jesus. If you have pandemic-related trust issues, guess what? Tell somebody about Jesus. Why? It's what God has called us to do. And when you do what God has called you to do, it's good for you. It's good for your soul. It's good for spiritual healing. It strengthens us. It encourages us. That's why Jesus said, even though we don't have his direct quote recorded in Scripture, Paul said, Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive. Uh, is that true? Yes. It feels good when you do something kind for somebody else, doesn't it? Yes. So shouldn't we do it more often? Yes. Won't it keep us feeling healthy? Yes. Keep our minds balanced? And listen, there is nothing gooder Pardon me, all you grammarians out there. There's nothing better than telling other people about Jesus. There's nothing better than in the midst of a pandemic right now saying, our God is great, he is on the throne, and he is fully in control, and I will not be bullied out of obeying him. Amen. It'll do wonders for your spiritual health. And when your spiritual health improves, your outlook on life improves. And when you tell someone about Jesus, you've done what is the most important thing in life. And then get this, you've also created the opportunity for someone to actually accept Jesus. Right. And then things just keep getting better and better. Then you have participated in changing someone's eternal destiny simply by not being silent and telling other people about the Lord. Listen this morning, don't hold back your proclamations of the goodness of God. Even though things may be tough for you right now, even though things may be hard as they are for many around the world right now, listen, proclaiming the greatness and goodness of God is so important. Jesus said, if you don't do it, the rocks will do it. Amen. Now, you ready for a little up close and personal? Yes. Will telling people about Jesus make the car payment? No. Will telling people about Jesus make the house payment? Will telling people about Jesus get you a job that you lost? No, but it will be rewarded in heaven. And listen, you're going to be there a lot longer than you're going to be here. Amen. Amen. So that's why Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now, Acts 18, 5 through 11, we're told when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia... Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Christmas, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now, the Lord, listen close. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision, saying, Do not be...
Now, we live in a time where telling people about Jesus causes some to blaspheme. Have you seen some of these pictures floating around on social media? <clears throat> I did a prophecy update with Amir and Jen Markell the other day, and Amir popped up a picture that I'm sure many of you have seen of a young woman who was holding a sign that said, I will never kneel. She's speaking about the name of Jesus. Well, I got news for her. She's going to kneel. She's going to kneel. She's going to make the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Every knee. Say every knee. Every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Amen? Now, we can't let fear, even fear of being rejected, push us into silence. Because the fact is, as Paul said, as he was rejected, okay, fine. I'm shaking the dust off my feet, I'll go to the Gentiles. But I love the fact that Acts 18 tells us, yeah, Paul said he's going to the Gentiles, so he set up shop right next to a synagogue. He hadn't given up on those he had told the gospel message to time and time and time again. Listen, if you have a family member and you've told them about Jesus a thousand times, make it a thousand and one. If you've told them a million times, make it a million and one. If you've had somebody call you names and say evil against you falsely for his name's sake, you tell them about Jesus again because you can't get saved except through the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven, Acts 4.12 says, by which man can be saved. And listen, this is also a great cure for ending a spiritual dry cell season. A spiritual dry time like have many have experienced in these days. Tell people about Jesus. You stand a far better chance of leading someone to Christ by telling people about Jesus when there's no chance of leading anyone to Christ when you're silent about Jesus. And proclaiming the goodness of God is good for us. Amen? Because God is good and he needs no one to prop him up through praise. He is worthy of it no matter what we're going through and no matter how we feel. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And the opening phrase of verse 6 actually reads, For this, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. For this, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. This points back to verse 5, where David mentions the forgiveness of the iniquity of his sin. The iniquity of sin means the evilness of sin. Sin is evil. Amen? Amen. And David says, you forgave the evilness of my sin with Bathsheba. Now, the word pray is also interesting. The Hebrew most often will use the word neah, which means to entreat or to ask in earnest. That's the, uh, the majority Hebrew word used in the Old Testament. The word here, however, is palal, which means to intercede. So this tells us that what David is saying, and I'm paraphrasing, is everyone, say everyone, everyone who has had the evil of their sin forgiven, ask the Lord to intercede during floods of great waters and in times of trouble that they would be surrounded by songs of deliverance. I don't know about you, but songs of deliverance and being surrounded by them sounds pretty good right about now. 
apparently it's just me. I thought maybe you <laughs> thought the same thing. Now, listen to Zephaniah, which is a beautiful verse, which reminds us of one of uh, the wonderful things that God does for his children. In 317, we're told, the Lord God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with what? Singing. Zephaniah is writing about a time when Israel is going to experience what we already have, and that is the forgiveness of the iniquity of sin or the evil of our sin. And that means what David wrote of and what Zephaniah prophesied is ours to embrace, to be spared from great waters, to be preserved from trouble because we are surrounded by songs of deliverance sung by the Lord over us. Now, thinking back on our theme verse for the year in Psalm 37.3, we're told, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. These are companion things that we ought to do as we trust God. We do trust him. We have trusted our souls into his everlasting care. Amen? Amen. And since we've done that, we need to do good while here on earth. We dwell in the land, and while we do, no matter what's happening in the land, we feed on God's faithfulness. Now remember the word that uh, is translated as trust that we've looked at, or at least one of them, is the Hebrew word batak, and it means confident, secure, bold, carefree. It can even be translated as hopeful. And isn't it easier to be confident, secure, bold, carefree, and hopeful when we add what David wrote to our thought arsenal that we can call out to the Lord and ask him to surround us with songs of deliverance? And even the flood mentioned here, obviously a reference back to the great flood that covered the whole of the earth. The waters that destroyed the rest of the world lifted Noah and the ark and his family above the waters. The Lord was their hiding place. He hid them in an ark. He lifted them up above his wrath, just like he's going to lift us up, and we're going to go home before he pours out his wrath on this earth. Amen? Amen. He did preserve them. He did surround them, even as the fountains of the deep and the rain covered the earth completely with water. So, too, we are in a pandemic that has completely covered the earth. It's all around us. And yet, unlike in Noah's day, there have been some who are righteous who have perished. Now, I want to point that out for this reason. That tells us that it's not God's wrath. This pandemic is not God's wrath. It's a coronavirus. Coronaviruses have many different elements to it. A, a common cold is a coronavirus. This happens to be a mutation that has uh, got a lethal uh, aspect to it. This is not God's wrath. It is not God judging the world. Listen, the wrath for our sin was poured out on Jesus. Yes. Amen? And therefore his wrath, because we have no appointment with wrath, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, is reserved exclusively for the time of the tribulation or the 70th week of Daniel. But this also reminds us that our course of late has been spiritual maintenance in a world that is a spiritual and moral mess. Things are getting more and more bizarre by the day. I cannot believe, well, two things. One, I cannot believe that one presidential candidate from the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, I wasn't going wasn't <laughs> to mention his name, but there's only one, so 
would have the audacity, no matter what he thinks personally, to tell the president, a sitting president of the United States, to shut up during a debate. What a horrid example. I'm sorry, uh, are we done here? What's going on? What a horrid example. And listen, I have to say this as well. There are members of the Obama administration that are saying they hope that President Trump and Melania die from COVID-19. What kind of people are these? Our country needs Jesus. And you know what? Jesus, if he can save Gavin Newsom, and he can, then that means he can save Joe Biden. Amen? Jury's still out on Nancy Pelosi, but we'll keep praying for her too. Now, this is why we have to remember that everyone who has had the evil of their sin forgiven asks the Lord to intercede in times like these. When the world is flooded with a pandemic, when the world is covered in trouble, we need to ask God to surround us with songs of deliverance, even though these things rage around us. Listen, Noah had to stand on the edge of the ark and he saw the floodwaters. He watched it rain. He saw the whole thing happen. I'm sure that it was a rather intimidating circumstance, even though God told him ahead of time, hey, never rained on this planet. So far, it was watered by a firmament that covered the earth, and then the fountains of the deep broke, the skies broke open, it began to rain, the ark began to be lifted up, God told him, this is coming, build a boat, you're going to need it. And then all of a sudden, supernaturally, all these animals start heading toward the ark in breeding pairs. Isn't that amazing? That had to be encouraging to Noah, but listen, the flood was still the flood. It was still intimidating, and we're going through an intimidating time right now. Now, we need to incorporate verse 11 and borrow from our final section uh, in order to arrive at our next truth. Listen this morning. Verse 11 is going to tell us, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice when there's no floodwaters. No. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now, here's what we need to remember as far as uh, it pertains to our title and topic this morning. Listen, prayer and praise are expressions of trust in God. Prayer and praise are expressions of trust in God. David says, because the evil of our sins have been forgiven, thus we've been made godly. Everyone who is godly will be glad in the Lord and shout for joy. Are there times where there's nothing to be joyful about? Yes. Are there times yes. where life is difficult? Yes. You know, there's people, as I mentioned last week, our dear friend uh, Nagme Panahi, losing her dad to COVID-19, completely unexpected. What a tragic and painful thing. And yet, we have to acknowledge that even in the midst of these painful things that come too close to us sometimes, God is still good. He is still worthy of praise. He is still the only one we can pray to. And listen, when that which you hoped would never happen happens, you still need to call on him. Surround me with songs of deliverance. Surround me with your love. Surround me with your mercy. And I'm sure we've all had, and I'm sure we're all having right now, those moments where we simply say, I wonder what's going to happen. Come on, that wasn't just a confession up here. We're all in this. We've all had that, right? I wonder what's going to happen. Doesn't wondering what's going to happen 
and knowing what's going to happen produce two completely different outcomes in your thought life? If you know what's coming, we know what's coming, right? Well, I should say we know who's coming. Jesus is coming, amen? We know that things are going to be like this. We know there's going to be an increase in lawlessness. We know that there's going to be an increase in plagues in the last days. California, I keep seeing this pop up on social media. California, over the last uh, 72 hours, had some 650 earthquakes. And somebody came out and said, 98% there's going to be a 6.5 or greater in San Francisco. And 95% there's going to be a 6.5 or greater in Southern California. Now, thankfully, that was two days ago. <laughs> so hopefully we dodged a bullet. But listen, the ground is shaking. The earth is quaking. Nations are raging against one another. Ethnic tensions are rising. Lawlessness is abounding. All these things are going on. And listen, we don't have to live wondering what's going to happen. We can live knowing what's going to happen. Jesus is coming for us. Someday, hopefully soon, somebody say, Amen. Amen. Now, listen to what James said in 5.13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. There's praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah, here's an illustration of what we just said. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Listen. Reading that and believing that is going to produce two separate reactions. Reading it gives you a cognitive awareness of a biblical truth claim. Believing that is going to cause you to pray and sing psalms. I say we believe it. I say we pray. I say we sing psalms and praise the Lord. And when we pray, we are expressing trust in the fact that God wants to hear from us. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? The God who speaks all things into existence in six nightday cycles wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. And his ear is not heavy, his arm is not short that he cannot reach, and his ear heavy that he cannot hear. His eyes search the earth looking for those whose heart is loyal to him so he can show them uh, himself strong on their behalf, according to 2 Chronicles 16, 9. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Amen. That's worth more than that. Amen. Amen. Now, when we pray, we're expressing our trust that God Here's our prayers and we'll answer. When we praise, we are trusting the word of God and all that it tells us about who God is and how he cares for and loves us even when an em uh, a pandemic is impacting our lives to some degree. Now we're in a, well, we're coming to another phase of our interesting phase we've been in as a church as this is our last outdoor service. We'll be across the street next week. Did I mention it's air conditioned? Yeah. Amen. Now, I told you last week, I'll remind you again, during this season, my emotions have been trying to take over my mind. 
and to fill it with worry and wonder. And yet, throughout all that, deep inside, I knew God was going to do something amazing because he has a track record. Even with this church, he has a track record of doing amazing things at the last minute. He got a little too close to the last minute this time for my liking, but he still came through. Amen. Amen. Now my emotions are trying to get me to worry and wonder about having a new building and all the work that needs to be done. But deep down, I know God's going to do something amazing because he already has. He brought us to this place, this outdoor venue, 10 days before we were going to have nowhere to meet. Now, that's, that's pretty close to the line again. But he's faithful, amen? amen. Now, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Maybe you've gotten a little closer to some things you didn't want to happen than you are comfortable with. It happens. So what do you do? You call to God. Is he going to answer you? Yes. He said he will. He said, call to me and I will answer you. And I'm going to show you things that you don't know. Now listen, that doesn't mean he's going to tell you in advance. I've never known him to do that. I've never known him to tell the whole plan in advance, except for the plan of salvation and the fact that Jesus is coming for us again. Did I mention that earlier? Yes. Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't expect him to show me all that he's going to do with the building across the street. I don't expect him to tell me in advance, but I do fully expect to be eyewitness to them. Yeah. I expect to see his hand move in great and awesome ways because that's what he does, even though I don't know what he's going to do. You may not know how your situation is going to change. You may not know how he's going to get you through, but my counsel to you from the Word of God, call on him and he'll answer you. Yeah. And he'll sustain you. He'll surround you with songs of deliverance until you get to that place where he does something that'll just blow your mind, which is the business he is in. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, 8 through 11, and we'll finish up our time together. Then the Lord speaks to David and says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And here's a word of counsel. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. In other words, they're stubborn. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Here's our PowerPoint for the month. But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, as we read earlier, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now, I'm glad to be in good company this morning of people who have never acted like the horse or the mule. <laughs> We've never had to have God guide. I don't know about you, and I hate to admit it, but it's true. God already knows it's true. He's had to use the two by four on my noggin more than once to get me to get in, uh, headed in the right direction. And that's figurative, by the way. God's never hit me with a two by four, so I don't need any emails from anybody, amen? <laughs> But he has got the crowbar out and pried me out of certain situations that I was too comfortable in. And David implies that stubborn behavior is wicked and only leads to sorrows. And the Hebrew word translated as sorrows means anguish. And Psalm 19, 7 through 11 reminds us the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, listen close. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is what? There's great reward. Listen, living according to the word of God is rewarding. It's the best way to live. It's the best way to live. Yeah. Amen. Now what David wrote in Psalm 19, he illustrates in Psalm 32. Live by the word of God, experience the rewards of doing so. Be like a horse or a mule, meaning reject or resist the word of God, and experience the anguish of having done so. I don't want to live in anguish. I want to live in the realm of blessing, don't you? Yes. Now, he then contrasts the anguish of stubbornly rejecting the guiding of the Lord through his word with the mercy that surrounds those who trust in him, leading to the praise portion of our last point. Now, I am grateful for the mercy of God. Yes. Aren't you? Yes. I am grateful for the mercy of God. I am so thankful that he has not given me what I deserve. But instead, he has surrounded me with his mercy. Listen, we should never ask that the Lord give us what we deserve. I want only what I don't deserve from the Lord, don't you? Yes. Now think about what Jeremiah said in the midst of a season of Israel's history that is not unlike the one we are in right now. In Lamentations 3, 21 to 24, Jeremiah said, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Listen, in the midst of all we're going through, individually, corporately as a church, and nationally as a country, we are surrounded by God's mercy because we trust in him. Now, there's been a lot of definitions of grace and mercy. Uh, mercy meaning not receiving what you deserve, grace being uh, receiving unmerited favor. But the word mercy, mercy used here in Psalm 32 just means kindness. And God is kind to us, isn't he? Yes. And we have received the kindness of God. And the truth is, listen, while God will often allow things in our lives and in the world at times we don't like, nor do we want, he has been more kind to us than we deserve. Even in the worst possible situation in life, he has been more kind to us than we deserve. Psalm 103 reminds us in 10 to 14, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now, we've made the point multiple times and ways over the years that we praise God for who he is, not just what he does. Amen? We praise God because he's worthy of praise. He is the king of heaven. He is the great and awesome God. I love how Daniel refers to him. He is the ancient of days. He is the one who existed before time began, is what that phrase means. And it might sound a bit abstract, but in the context of what we've been reminding, of our, uh, reminding ourselves of, I think we should also add, in light of our text this morning, 
that we should praise God for what He doesn't do. We should praise God because He doesn't give us what we deserve. Because He has surrounded us with mercy when it's wrath that we have earned because the wrath has been satisfied through His Son Jesus Christ on the cross. He doesn't punish us according to our sins and iniquities. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, here's the last of our three observations and we'll let you get out of here this morning. Listen, and here's where our title comes into play for the final time. In light of all God has done for us, we should live all out for Him. In light of all God has done for us, we should live all out for Him. No holding back. No holding back. No holding back. No putting Him second to anything or anyone. No bowing before anything or anyone except Him. We do not live in anguish because we trust in Him. We are surrounded by mercies each day because we trust in Him. Through His mercies we are not consumed even after we have acted like horses and mules. Even then, He is merciful and worthy of our total and complete dedication, commitment, prayer, and praise with no holding back. He's coming soon. Amen. The evidence is all around us. He's coming soon. So let's finish the race with joy, but let's finish the race full throttle. No holding back. Now I want you to think about this this morning in conclusion. The only thing God has ever held back from us is things we didn't want anyway. Amen? The only thing He's ever held back from you is what you don't want anyway. He has held back all the negative things that could have eternal consequences uh, in our lives. He has held back His wrath. He has given us His mercy instead. He has blessed us with His grace and saved us. And listen, things like wrath and judgment and consequences in hell, He has held those things back so therefore we can rejoice at all times, as David said in Psalm 34. In light of all He has done for us, we should live all out for Him. No holding back. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And Father, we are grateful for Your Word this morning. We thank You for these words of David. Thank You for His... Uh, you inspiring him to share his experience when he was silent about what he himself had done that was against your word. And Lord, we recognize that we are in the midst of a time that is creating seasons of dryness in some and uh, a wavering of trust in others and doubt and wonder and anxiety and anguish in still others. And yet, Lord, we have seen throughout your word in our time this morning and elsewhere in scripture that you are worthy of praise. And we thank you for all the things that you have spared us from. And we thank you for all the things you have granted us as well. Thank you for surrounding us with mercy, new each morning. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you, we honor you, we give you glory. We lift up our president and first lady once again and Kellyanne Conway and all who are uh, afflicted with uh, COVID-19. We ask you to do a miraculous work and sweep through this land your hand of healing, we pray. 
We thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer and that you hear us. We praise you this morning for you alone are worthy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.